All right, welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland. We got a big show for you tonight. The Butster and I are going to be talking about Tony Khan says that Ring of Honor has a lot of people interested in their TV rights. We're also going to talk about the new trailer for Batista's brand new movie. We're also going to be talking about Andrade El Idolo. What's going to be happening with him as far as his AEW contract and if he's heading back to CMLL. We're also going to be talking about a new documentary It's going to be airing on Vice. It is about Hulk Hogan. What do they have to say about the Hulkster? We're going to talk about it. Jack Perry files trademarks for Jurassic Express and a boy in his dinosaur. Interesting news there. Jim Ross talks about his health and why he's been off TV and what are some of his goals as well. Former world champion, WWE champion Shawn Michaels weighs in on the importance of referees in pro wrestling. And finally, Eric Bischoff comments on why AEW's creative issues are not going to be resolved as long as Tony Khan is still in charge. With that being said, let me go ahead and let me jump in here and in Bring in the Budster, Christopher Bud. He is my good buddy from the North. What's going on, brother? Hey, Mike. Uh, this is it. Another Tuesday night hanging out with you. And we'll see where this gong show leads. How are Definitely. you? I'm good. Life is good. No complaints so far. Uh, the holiday season is upon us. I haven't finished my Christmas shopping which is no big surprise. Let's be honest. I haven't even started my Christmas shopping, but we'll definitely get there. I'm a procrastinator. I'm, I'm a big one. Are you stop, Are you shopping at Dollar General or Valero? We're done with this part of the conversation. We're moving on. There's nothing wrong with uh, gas station and dollar store places to shop for Christmas gifts. Everyone has their own style. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No, I'm going to be doing most of mine online most of my stuff online so I can sit here in the comfort of my own home and get all my shopping done. What about you? Are you ready for Christmas? No, just finished our holiday markets a couple days ago. So I'm going to, I'm going to get it done this week. The toy man is taking some time off here after this last big push. Uh, does it feel good in some ways to, to be wrapping up another season or do you feel like, you know what? I really wish it was still going. Oh no, I'm, I'm ready to be done for another season. It's, I love doing it. You know that. Absolutely. Gets to be a bit much. I mean, I, don't forget I have a full-time job. This is not my job. Amen. So it just gets a little tiring the last six weeks. It's just been markets and making toys nonstop. So I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready for uh, four, five, break. six weeks off. Yep. Well, let's go ahead and let's talk a little wrestling here. So as we know, WWE has made great strides in their licensing deals for their TV rights. Now, we know that they are going to be heading back to uh, CW uh, for NXT. We also know that they're going to be moving over to the USA Network, but there's some questions about what's going to be happening for WWE Monday Night Raw. Now, on the flip side, AEW was, let, we were all led to believe, I should say, that Warner Discovery, who they're in a current relationship with, 
uh, ever since AEW aired on TBS and TNT would obviously get renewed. Tony Khan says he has a great relationship with them, and it was just literally a matter of time before they worked out the fine details of extending the contract. Well, months have gone by, and we've heard nothing new. And recent news has come out that Warner Discovery is very interested in the potential rights to Monday Night Raw and WWE. Now, for a lot of wrestling fans, it seems like yet another competition is happening. AEW is not on uh, on the best of ratings or live attendance right now, and WWE is arguably the highest it's been since the Attitude Era. But Tony Khan has mentioned that there's part of his brands that are actually getting a lot of interest. On Tuesday, Tony Khan commented on a conference call uh, to promote Friday night's uh, final battle, which is going to be happening live on pay-per-view. Now, during the conference call, Ring of Honor and AEW president commented on the Ring of Honor TV rights and whether Ring of Honor could eventually come to Warner Brothers Discovery. Now, this is what he said about them potentially joining AEW with the Warner Discovery deal. We've had really good talks with Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, we just had a great visit with them. Really exciting relationship has grown over the years and has expanded for AEW. Ring of Honor is still our third brand. It's a relationship that we have been putting a lot of effort and focus into. It offers a lot to AEW and the media rights. There's a lot of interest in Ring of Honor. Some of the most exciting wrestling stories have been happening in Ring of Honor in 2023. Um, Butster, jump in here on this one. When it comes to Ring of Honor, um, there have been a lot of people who have been anti-Ring of Honor and anti-Tony Khan for buying Ring of Honor. Um just for the simple fact that Ring of Honor has really been put on the back burner. It doesn't really seem to be as focused on as AEW. And Tony's burning the candle at both ends. And Ring of Honor seems at times to be suffering. And then so does the AEW product. Too many times Tony's being pulled in too many directions. Do you feel like Ring of Honor has some place that it could live? Or do you think at the end of the day Ring of Honor will just continue to maintain to be something that's just on honor club and something that is purchased uh, on a streaming service. Unfortunately, as long as Tony Khan owns it, it's going to stay status quo. Uh, he's got too many irons in the fire and he can't manage any of them. Unfortunately, uh, ring of honor would be better off with another owner. Unfortunately, uh, I know I'm flirting with getting kicked off the podcast again, but Tony Khan's just, they're neglected. He's neglected Ring of Honor. Uh, you can't watch it nowhere unless you're the, the streaming member. Right. Honor Club member, sorry. Well, how do you, how, how do you expect to grow when people got to subscribe to it? If you had a TV deal, even if it wasn't the greatest TV deal, you still had your streaming rights, it would get more eyes. Right? You'd get more people watching it. You could create something, just something. They're, they're lost in the shuffle, and they're going to go nowhere. And there's a lot of talent there. They're just getting wasted. It's It's unfortunate. Ring of Honor will never be anything. 
unfortunately, and that's not to speak ill of Ring of Honor, because they've had a great um, history. Mm -hmm. If I'm saying that right or not, a lot of great talent have gone through there. There's been some great matches. It was well-respected. But right now, they're, they're kind of just forgotten. They're no more yeah. relevant now than what they were when they went out of business during COVID. Yeah, um, I would agree with you on that one. When I think of Ring of Honor right now, I mean, do we think Ring of Honor is more valuable than Impact Wrestling? No. Is Ring of Honor more valuable than the NWA? Nope. Probably not. So the, the, the thing that you run into with Ring of Honor is the current product cannot be seen by anyone unless they're a member of, of the Honor Club, which means you purchase it and you stream it on your computer or your smart TV. But it's not on a channel where people can actually tune in to see it. And if it's only subscription-based, you're only going to get that niche audience that are big Ring of Honor people. You're not really able to expose it to a larger audience because you don't have a platform to put it on. Therefore, your product is not going to grow. Now, it's funny because inversely, we've seen that with AEW, with they are on a big platform. They are on major networks that are basically in every cable package if people still have cable uh, or streaming packages. And the brand is still not growing there either. So to, to your point, what you were saying before is, you know, Tony's not able to manage Ring of Honor. Tony's not able to manage AEW. And there's a lot of problems with that because a lot of money's been stuck into AEW. And if you believe the reports from Brandon Thurston uh, with WrestleNomics that they're on pace to lose somewhere between 20 and $30 million this year. Now, it's less than what they lost last year, but they're still not in the profitable zone yet when it comes to money. And I think that has a lot to do with ticket sales being down. I think that has a lot to do with spend, spend, spend is what they do. Every new person that comes available, he scoops them up and signs them to long contracts and doesn't end up getting to utilize everybody. So there's more money going out the door, less money coming in the door. It just doesn't seem to be a good business plan right now for AEW. And I think the one thing that Tony Khan has really hung his hat on is that Ring of Honor has a library and it has years and years and thousands and thousands of matches. But unfortunately, there's not everybody has the opportunity to see those matches. So when you look at it from that perspective, I'm not really sure what Tony's going to do. Um, is there value to Ring of Honor? Yes, in a specific way. But right now, it just doesn't seem like it's viable. It doesn't really seem like it's working. Um, and to your point, it doesn't seem like a whole lot is working in the world of Tony Khan right now. Um, what do you think, Butster, about Warner Discovery throwing their hat in the ring for WWE? Do you think if they end up ending their relationship with AEW and starting with WWE, that AEW will have anywhere to go at that point in time? Oh, they'll have somewhere to go. Like, there's still... Um, who's got um, Monday Night Raw now? In the States, uh, anyhow. US Net USA Network. Yeah, so would they not just... You would think they'd be in the running to pick up Oh no, they have SmackDown though, do they not? USA Network? I believe so. 
Yeah, so that won't happen. That that'd be a conflict of interest. Um who would be like NBC, something like that, maybe? I mean I don't think NBC would pick them up, no. And I think with CW obviously going to be carrying more WWE content, you start to run out of places to go, um, you know, unless you're going to go on a lesser-known station, uh, a lesser-known network. And then at that point in time, you know, they're on a main network now, TBS and TNT, the Turner brands, and they're not drawing many people. So if you go onto a lesser network, a lesser-known network, a more obscure network, if you will, you're going to get even less people to tune in because now people have to try to find you and the product isn't hot right now. And that's a big, that's a big, big issue is that the product is not hot right now. So who is willing to throw money at AEW for their next TV rights when there's not a whole lot of people competing to get their business? What about somebody like ESPN? Are they still a big deal in the States? Um, they're a part of Disney and I don't necessarily think that that would be a good fit because WWE was, is PG and they were trying to team up with Disney and that didn't end up happening. And AEW is not PG. And so I, I highly doubt that would be something that would work. Now, the only other thing I can think of would be HBO max, um, or just max is what it's known now, but that even in itself, I don't know how much, uh, uh, credence you can really put into that so ring of honor not really sure what's going to happen with that aew we're not really sure what's going to happen with that um what do you think has been the biggest detractor from aew recently as far as programming is concerned like what would you say was a a big glaring issue that made people turn away from it that list is as long as I am tall. Um, people are just tired of seeing the same people every Wednesday night. For us up here, anyhow, because we can't get uh, any of the other shows here in Canada. All we can get is is, is Dynamite. Right. There's They don't seem to be advancing any storylines. Storylines are... Creative, to, to 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 cut it just simple. It's creative. It, you, you take um the Asian guy that's part of the Don Callis family. Um, his name's escaping me, of course. The Asian guy that's a part of the Don Callis family, Kanosuke yeah. Takeshita. Hold on, I'm working. Kanosuke Takeshita. His name is Kanosuke Takeshita. Yeah. His name is Kanosuke Takeshita. Back at him. He gets two yeah. wins over Kenny. Yes. And now he's doing tag matches on Rampage. I know. What happened? I'm very confused. I'm very confused. Sideways. Great question. You know, Great Kenny question. is one of your superstars. Yes. So you would think if somebody gets two wins over one of your superstars, you have somewhere for him to go. You have plans. You yes. think there's something to this. Right. Nope. Now he's a tag team wrestler. 
Why? I, I, what the hell is the point of him going over Kenny Omega then? No, I agree with that completely. Why are you going to use somebody to put somebody else over if they're not going to get a, a major push? And you know, not to say being associated with the Don Callis family isn't a, isn't a good thing. It, it it definitely is, but we've seen this before. We, I mean, you know, Hobbs got some big pushes, and then all of a sudden it stalled. Wardlow got big pushes, and then it stalled. There's a lot of people who got big pushes, and then all of a sudden it just stalled. And and for the life of me. You know, I get done watching a show and I kind of scratch my head and I say, I'm not really quite sure where we're going with this. But I'm glad that you brought that up as far as creative. Eric Bischoff recently said on his podcast, 83 Weeks, Eric Bischoff said that there's a big issue with AEW and he believes it solely lies in the world of creative. He doesn't believe that AEW is fixable as long as Tony Khan is in charge. He recently reflected on the creative process he compared AEW and Tony Khan to Vince Russo when he was in WCW. Now, this is what he said, and I quote, Russo can be fixed. There's enough to work with there. I don't feel the same about Tony Khan. I see patterns. I see consistent patterns, repetitive patterns, and it's not fixable. Now, Bischoff also spoke about the devil's storyline, and he believes at the end of the day, no matter who is underneath the mask, it will turn out to be a popcorn fart. Um, in in layman's terms, he does not believe it's it's going to matter. Let me ask you this question, Butster. When it comes to this, is their big storyline right now? WWE had had Roman Reigns, and he had the Bloodline, and then it switched over to uh, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. Um, it, and it, it really kind of changed. It evolved. It went to a different brand and things really got picked up and they got hot right there. Now you have the influx of CM Punk. What's going to be happening with that? So they have stories. They have something that is kind of the rudder of the ship, right? Even if they have small storylines sprinkled around, they have that main one that really is drawing people in. Do we have a main storyline in AEW that everyone can universally name? Not really. I mean, you have the Ed, or sorry, Adam Copeland, Christian. That's fantastic, by Nick the way. Wayne, Nick Wayne's hot mom storyline. That's fantastic, which, by the uh, way. Which is 100%. Then you have the devil. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you have you have a, a women's TBS champion in Julia Hart, who nothing against Julia Hart, but she hasn't been in the business very long. When you look at her in-ring work, it, it does seem kind of sloppy at times. Um, I don't know if you saw the match with uh, Emery Sakura, who is in her 50s, and she is a very well-accomplished wrestler. And she put, she put her over. Um, and then unfortunately, when you look at her... Um, you don't really see a champion, a TBS champion. And they took the belt off of Chris Statlander to put it on her, but it really hasn't quite worked out. Now I will say something that is interesting with AEW is the return of Abaddon and what she has done. Have you gotten to see any of Abaddon's recent work? She seems to be getting slowly over with the audience. I have not. Abaddon does not interest me at all. That gimmick is fooey. She seems to be a combination of a Luna Vachon and a Doink the Clown. 
And that's the best way I can describe what Abaddon is. But I will say this. The audience does seem to be, at least in some ways, responding to Abaddon. So that's they responded least... to the Yeti, too. And it's funny because the Yeti is another word for an abominable snowman, which is another word for a Sasquatch. But it was a man wrapped up in toilet paper and looked like a mummy. How do you get Yeti out of mummy? I don't ever understood that. I don't know. Um, let me ask you this question, and, and I think I know the answer, Butster. Tony Khan is not fixable when it comes to these things. Um, if Tony Khan does not relinquish power within AEW, are we really turning into the same situation that Vince McMahon was to WWE, having the final say in everything? And, and when he was in charge, meaning Vince, how things really started to plummet. And it wasn't until he was gone that Triple H, we saw the ascent of Triple H. Do you think we basically have Vince McMahon 2.0 now? Yes. <laughs> Short answer is yes. Tony's a fanboy. Right? Yeah. Tony's a fan. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a fan. You're a fan. No. Anybody listen to this? Most likely are wrestling fans or gluttons for punishment. That's why they tuned in. <laughs> but, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a fan. I would not be a great creative person. I would have ideas. Sure. I'm not the guy you want running your program. Right. Mike, you are way more knowledgeable than what I am. You, no offense, I'm sure you would have trouble running AEW or WWE, the creative, like running it all. Throwing no way can I do big it. Bits, that's one thing. But running it all, that's a whole different ballgame. And it can't be done by one person. I don't care who you are. One person solely cannot run. Sorry, I, I I don't believe that. I think it's a committee thing. You have one person has your final say that you need with anything. One person is the shock caller. Nope, I don't agree with it, or yes, I agree with whatever he's got or she has his last say. But one person can't come up with all creative and all storylines. It, it's just not possible. And especially somebody like Tony Khan, he, he's not from the wrestling world. It's not that he grew up in the wrestling world. No, Vince, say what you want about him. He came from that life. Yes, he did. He grew up in the industry. He did a lot of really good things things for professional wrestling some bad things as well but he did a lot of great things he's the reason professional wrestling is today what it is right he walked over some people to get it there but he got it there and we're all better off because of it do you tony remember that would you remember the quote uh, i believe tony khan did an interview and he said he told his father this that God forbid anything were to happen with me and I wasn't able to, I wasn't capable of taking care of AEW. I'm, I don't know what context that is meaning. Um, but he says he thinks the company should continue in the hands of um, Brian Danielson. Now, I don't know enough about Brian Danielson. I don't know enough about his experiences. 
But I think on uh, Front Row Referee, I want to talk a little bit about creative as well tonight. I want to talk about what the referees think about what is something the fans really get into. And are there any stories that they felt, you know, really worked when, when they're in the ring as well and, and things that they noticed worked and which when things they, they decided, you know what, this isn't working so well um, because I mean, they're right there in the mix of it just with the talent as well. But uh, yeah, no, I, I have to agree. Um, as, as long as Tony is the sole proprietor of the office of creative, I think they're going to have some difficulties. Uh, I was hoping that some influences of some veterans would be a positive thing. Um, but once again, we don't know Tony. I mean, we don't know if Tony rules with an iron fist or he doesn't. But we are going to table this conversation right now. We'll come back to this a little bit later on tonight. Uh, coming up in segment two, we're going to be talking to the referees. Segment three, we're going to be talking about Dave Batista. He's got a brand new movie that's going to be coming out. We're going to be talking about that as well. Again, Andre Andrade El Idolo is uh, talking about returning back to CMLL, something he would like to do before his career is over. And might that also involve a return to WWE? We're also going to be talking about the new Vice documentary on Hulk Hogan. Um, I'm not really quite sure what this is going to look like, but it should be interesting. Again, as we talked about at the top of the show, Jack Perry files for trademarks for Jungle Express and A Boy and His Dinosaur. We're also going to talk about Jim Ross, and we're also going to be talking about more things TV rights. But right now, let's go ahead and let's bring them in. They are our two referees, uh, legendary referee Jim Molyneux. You remember him from the days of ECW. He's also been a booker, uh, also worked in the wrestling industry everywhere, trained referees. Uh, he's got a, a good mind for the business, and... Uh, uh, Nick Papa G as well, been in the business, refereeing, been around things. So when it comes to these guys, they definitely know what's going on, what works and what doesn't work. We'll also ask them what a popcorn fart is because I'm not really quite sure exactly what that phrase means. So let's go ahead and let's bring them in right now. All right, gentlemen, you, you signed up for more punishment for another week. It is good to see you, Nick. How you been, brother? What's up, guys? How are you? Good, Nick. We are good. Jim, how's life treating you, my friend? It, it's treating me all right. <laughs> oh, so I really want to start off this week because I know I didn't send you guys. You're probably asking yourself, my God, what kind of host is this? He didn't even send like me a rundown of what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you guys about this weeks ago. The, the rundown will last one week. And then it'll be five minutes before he'll send you a half-ass message, and then nothing. So, welcome like aboard. I like the spontaneity, though, right? It's kind of like it's it's fresh, it's organic. Uh, it's just my way of saying uh, things took a little bit longer with the baby tonight. So, I want to talk to you about a comment that was um, published, an article that was published from Wrestling Inc. It says WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels weighs in on the importance of referees in pro wrestling. And um, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this, the writer's name, but it says across the decades within the industry, Shawn Michaels has been exposed to just about every level of pro wrestling. Now he recently appeared on busted open radio. Michaels explains how his current role in WWE has shown him the importance of referees in the wrestling business. WWE senior vice president of talent relations and creative of WWE NXT, 
Michaels has a more hands-on approach when it comes to not only booking, but the involvement of the referee. According to HBK, he initially discovered how integral referees are in WWE in his first run with the company. would go on to say, I was really starting to notice how they're hustling as much as everyone else is. And you know what? It takes a lot when there's a lot of near-fall kickouts. That's a lot to do. Then there's light bulbs, and there's all this other stuff that's happening in the ring. Michaels also noted that there are storylines in wrestling about combatants, but sometimes they also include the referee, which is an important part of the story. Michaels would also go ahead and talk about stepping back into the role of wrestling, and referees have become even more important to him now that he's behind the scenes. Michaels noted that he often approaches referees when it comes to in-match angles and gets their opinion on them as well. So I want to go ahead and I want to talk to uh, to Nick first. Nick, let me ask you this question. Is it refreshing to hear that somebody is wanting to get input as far as, you know, when a match gets put together, uh, having the referee's involvement or when the three guys are sitting down talking to include the referee in that conversation? Or do you believe that might just be exclusively to what they do? It might just be uh, what they do. I don't really have like any kind of input. Like when I'm on the Indies, um, doing any kind of shows or anything like that. You, you know, it depends on who. You know, what kind of talent I'm working with. I'm, if I'm working with, you know, upper echelon type talent. You know, you know, you know, talent that just came off a of TV or anything like that. Uh, you know, or a talent that just been around for a long time. Um, you know, they might ask our opinion on. You know different, you know, hey, we got this, you know, would this lead to a DQ or something like that? You know, they might ask us for, like, input like that, but, you know, storyline-wise, I don't, we don't really ever get get that asked too much. You might, you know, maybe the promotion might ask, you know, ask for input, you know, maybe with the referees even on creative, you know, or anything like that. They might have, you know, some input like that, so I might, it might mainly just be like an NXT thing type, you know, type thing right now. Is it refreshing to hear, in your opinion? Do you think it's it's kind of neat how, instead of having babyface heel sit down in a room and talk about it, that babyface heel and ref, do you think maybe um, tapping into a third person's mind might actually have some really good things to add to the mix or to accentuate what the two guys are trying to do? I I, I think it is, actually. You know, it's, you know, it is like a breath of fresh air, you know, that they're actually asking for our opinion or, or, on anything like that. You know, but like I said, I'm like you know, depending you know, depending on company or something like that, you know, it it, it it's a, a variety of different things that can really come back on. To be honest with you, Jim, you've been there, you've seen a lot, you've seen some of the craziest angles before on TV. I mean, um, just the crazy stuff that they have done in ECW and how you guys were very much a part of the show. I mean, you and um, the rest of the referees were were very integral. I mean, we knew your names just as much as we knew Tommy and Sandman and Dreamer and, and all these people. Do you ever feel like the role of the ref is evolving in a good direction, or do you think it's it's kind of staying the same way it's always been? I actually think it's kind of evolved into a, a bad direction. Um, you, you very rarely know who the referee is unless you're a huge fan. So they, they don't mention them on air. They, they deserve to be mentioned at least once uh, during a match. That's God bless him, Joey Styles. That's what, what he did for us. Made sure that our, our names were mentioned at least once 
in a match or at least once in a show. Uh, so fans did know who we are uh, and knew that, you know, we put as much work in as, as some of the guys. Um, yeah, and now you really don't know who they are. They, they kind of stand in the corner and don't really do anything until it's time to count three. Or like I said before, they're, 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 they're over, um, <laughs> overacting if you want to use that word and and they they look like you know the bull, the balloon man in front of the the used tire store um you know um out of control but um you know i i've had people ask me now on the indies um more than before you know what do you think about this in our match and, and do you think this how do you think this would work out in our match or does that make the ref look stupid i'll, I'll never forget the first time somebody said that to me it was kevin sullivan going over a match and he said wait a minute and he turned to me and he said uh he said jimmy what do you what do you think about this and went over it again i'm like wait a minute he's actually asking my opinion kevin sullivan who's you know been in the business since you know the beginning of time one of one of my heroes and and he's asking me my opinion of of whether you know it would make me look stupid in the, in the match um but yeah I, I think it's i think the the job of the referee is kind of devolved um i don't know if and, and something i've thought of i don't know if technology has has kind of done that too or not with the earpieces now and everything where before we used to communicate back and forth with with the timekeeper um and i i just felt like you know there was there was more of a of a you know uh, a work um assembly line to to the way things were done and, and it's not done anymore you know you know okay i'll okay i'll tell them to go to the commercial and you know all that kind of stuff and um I, I, you know it, example from I, I guess it was this weekend maybe it was last weekend i forget which um the the match between uh, that was on AEW with uh, Moxley and uh, I forget was it was it Rush Rush um, they you know they're for the in that tournament and there's supposed to be rules to be followed yeah and one of the rules is you know you stay in the ring and they must have been outside of the ring for for five straight minutes and Paul Paul Turner I, I love Paul Turner. I think he's probably the best referee they have there at AEW, and they just made him look stupid. Yeah, that that he wasn't able to enforce any kind of rules to this match. Well, let me ask you, and this goes to both you guys. Wouldn't you say that also falls on management to say, "Hey, this is the way we're doing things. You guys are doing this. The referee, you have to follow what these guidelines are. This is what we're doing. You guys aren't going to, you know, brawl everywhere." because we don't want anybody to look bad. And we also want to make it look like we have some level of consistency somewhere, because like you said before, if you know, the rules of a match are one thing, but then all of a sudden, you know, the ref is not being able to do these things because it was designed to go in a different direction. Then you almost feel like, what's the point? Uh, Nick, do you also feel that way? It, it's, it's a very contradicting when it comes to the wrestling fans. Cause they're like, what the hell am I watching? Oh yeah. With that, with that, without a doubt, I'm like, you know, there's there's some promotions that will back the referee on like different decisions, and there's some promotions that will, you know, co- you know, completely bury the referee. You know, it's you know, it's sometimes almost like on there is like a what we like to call like a young bucks rule, <laughs> you know, on the indies and stuff like that. Because you know the you know back in the day, I'm like I don't know how they are now or anything like that, and I'm like I love Nick and you know Nick and Mac to death and stuff like that, but 
they'll they'll sometimes you know, you know, you know, five counts don't exist in their matches. You know, between tags, it doesn't. It you know, unless you're Rick Knox or something like that. You know, other than that, I'm like, it's it's like, it it, it doesn't exist. You know, there was one time I came back from uh, from a match. I think it was in Chikara back in the day. It was at the Colony versus the Young Bucks, and uh, Dreamer was back there. Dreamer, I think, was actually fresh off of his uh, talent relations deal with uh, WWE at the time. I came back from the curtain, and he actually pulled me aside. He's like, yeah, if you were on WWE TV with that, you would have been fired. Just because the way, you know, you know, rules weren't enforced or anything like that. And like I said, it comes back to a company, you know, that you're working for. You know, if that's what they want, you know, so be it. That's, you know, that's what you're going to get. So that's kind of what the... Uh, Referees were constantly buried on the AEW, you know, except for Paul. You know, Paul's really the only one that, you know, you know, I love their their staff to death, you know, certain ones. But other than that, I'm like, their referees get buried time in and time out. Nick's 100% right on that. Uh, you, you find with the AEW, it's just every match is a, is a tornado match. Mm-hmm. There, there's yeah. just, there's no... 10 count, there's no five count in between tags, they're brawling all over Hell's Half Acre. Don't get me wrong, it's all I enjoy it. I, I love AEW, but there needs to be that. No, like it is the five count. There's been the five count since I was a boy. Like it's just the way it is, you know. If you're outside, it's got to be the 10 count. You, you need to have those rules, you need to have that because if not, it just it makes it look like a just a complete gong show, basically. Like mm-hmm. it's just bedlam and pandemonium. And uh, me, one of the big rules I love—I don't know why I love it—is holding on to the rope in a tag match to tag in. I don't know why. I assume it's from when I was a little boy watching. Tradition. I absolutely yep. love that. And when you're watching it and they don't do it. You almost feel like a little bit disappointed. I do, any sort of. Let me rephrase that. I personally feel a little bit disappointed. Like, no, like hold on to the rope. Like, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's the way it's meant to be. And like Jim said, yes, it's a tradition thing. I, I just thoroughly enjoy that myself. But AEW does let a little too much go. We'll, we'll say that the refs do get buried. I agree, hundred percent. Nick, let me ask you this. Um, you know, when we talk about the involvement of the referee and, and referees getting buried and whatnot, um, no matter what you what you think, uh, that really ultimately boils down to who's the man in charge, right? No, because, without a doubt. I mean, at the end of the day, if the Bucks go out there and the Bucks go into business for themselves, if we can use that phrase, they basically do what they do. They do their shtick. Um and they basically kind of go rogue and they ignore what the referee is. There's no different than one wrestler not selling for another wrestler and, and, and showing them up. And like Butt said, it, it becomes the gong show. It becomes ridiculous. And if you don't even have somewhat consistency in a match, it just extrapolate that on a company level, right? Mm-hmm. How do things happen backstage? How is PR handled? How is talent relations handled? These are the things that really start to become um, very glaring within the company. And it's a problem. Jim, let me ask you this. Paulie, um, Paulie never 
came across as the type of guy that wanted anyone to look bad, at least from a from a fan's perspective. Did he? Did you think he wanted people to look bad? Because I don't feel like he necessarily maybe did, but maybe I'm completely wrong. No, he he worked with the. I mean, he's he's well known for finding what makes a person um, popular or or what works for that person and, and hiding their their flaws. I guess you would would say. Um, no, I don't. I don't think he ever buried one on anyone on purpose unless they did something to him <laughs> and, and uh he would send somebody out to to bury the person it's funny you mentioned you know as far as referees and some of the ones that we think are, are doing a good job um i believe we talked about stefan uh, on an earlier episode and you guys said that you, you do like stefan you think that he's doing a, a really really good job is there uh, Jessica Carr also is somebody we thought was doing a good job? Oh my gosh, now I'm getting my information screwed up. Now. Jessica, no, Carr. no, not by any means. No, we're just having some fun here. <laughs> Jessica Carr. I mean, we feel like she does a pretty good job within NXT as well. Um, when it comes to tryouts, let me ask you both this. I'll start with Nick. You know, you get done with wrestling school, wrestling training, all of that kind of stuff, and you, you do different tryouts for companies. What exactly happens in a referee tryout? Let's say you get a phone call and Triple H wants you to come to WWE or NXT and do a tryout. What, what exactly is that? Yeah, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, you know, try to blow you up with cardio, you know, as one thing, you know, you know different drills in that aspect. Uh, but basically, it's just a series of um, practice matches. Um, that you'll do just, you know, one after another. You know, I don't know what the PC does exactly, but, you know, different schools and stuff like that. You know, they'll throw you in practice matches. You know, they'll be like between like three and five minutes. You know, they'll see how you are with timing and, you know, and positioning and stuff like that. Um, you know, just see how you are with counts and making sure everything's like consistent, you know, in that aspect of things. You know, every school is different. You know, I know, you know, Jim trained a couple different referees that I know of, you know, they're, they have, you know, th just different aspects of different, you know, different things. But that's mainly just practice matches, kind of almost just like getting your reps in, so to speak, you know, in that aspect, you know, of things. Jim, when it came to wrestling, um, and obviously, you know, people are familiar with you, and I keep coming back to that. But when it came to other companies, you know, did you ever have a chance during the height of ECW at some point to make a jump or go somewhere else or – I mean, obviously, I don't want to take any stories that should stay locked in the vault. But let's just say, was there an opportunity for you to enter free agency? Absolutely not. Really? See, that's surprising to me. That's actually really surprising because you were over in ECW. You would think that at the end of the day, another company might want to bring somebody in um, because you are associated with, oh, my God, this guy can handle the craziest of crazies. I think Bill Alfonso is somebody who people really remember as far as a referee. I mean, he's done a lot. And if you haven't seen what, what Fonzie has done before, he's worked in, in all the major companies as well. But yeah, I check, think check out old NWA Florida, any, any Florida stuff. You'll see Fonzie all over it. So what would you say? Did you ever want to go into free agency and maybe work for another company? Or were you because of location, because of family, because of X, Y, and Z, if it's if it's not here and then, then I'm I'm not doing it. Uh, you know, I just 
loved the product that, that we were putting out at ECW. Uh, that was the main reason. Um, yeah, family family did come into it. I knew that if I went to WWE or or WCW, um, I, I was afraid of the travel schedule. Uh, I mean, my, my travel schedule eventually did change with ECW working behind the scenes. Um, and, and I was for the last year and a half of the company um, with promotional stuff besides refereeing. I was leaving on Tuesday morning and, and coming home Sunday afternoon, which is what I was trying to avoid going to WCW or WWE. And even if you think of the past before that time period of, of those companies, you know, those guys were, were on the road for 20 days and off for two or on the road for 30 and, and off for three and um, relationships don't last. And um, I wanted my, my family and my relationship with my wife to, to last. And it has um, there's some, some rough patches with ECW, but it had nothing to do with the schedule. It had to do with finances um, but yeah, no, I, I had really didn't have any interest in going anywhere else. Uh, like I said, I was, I was happy with what we were doing. I, I believed in the product. I believed in, you know, changing the world, which is, I think what a lot of us were, were thinking of doing. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the grand ECW trivia question that I'm involved in that the only two people that were in the company from, from day one till the door shut were myself and John Finnegan, the, the two referees who, who were there at the beginning and there at the end. Um, you know, there were guys who were there for quite a while, but they, they took a break and went somewhere else and came back or, or just plain old left. But um, yeah, I, I think John feels the same, felt the same way. And plus John, I, I shouldn't speak for him, but he had a, he had a good daytime job, good nine to five job, still has it. Um, and didn't want to lose out on, on losing that. So that's why he stuck with the, the, the part-time schedule of ECW. Nick, let me ask you, as far as when it comes to refereeing, and you know, I briefly talked about free agency and maybe going other places and whatnot, given the opportunity, um, would you want in part of your life right now to be a part of one of the, the, the traveling companies? Um, AEW, WWE, um, whether that's NWA, which I'm not really sure how often they actually travel, uh, Impact Wrestling, which is going to go back to TNA. Would, would that be something that would interest you, or are you content with where you're at right now? You know, that's always, you know, everybody's dream to make it, you know, to get that um, quote-unquote TV contract, so to speak. You know, but sometimes it comes down to, you know, what, you know, guys and gals do for a living, you know, I got a straight Monday through Friday job. You know, I work seven to three thirty. You know, Monday through Friday. You know, I do right. You know, wrestling is on. You know, give or take on the weekends. You know, not every weekend, but you know, I control my schedule hundred percent. You know, you know, you know to that degree. That's you know one thing I don't want to lose is kind of losing you know you know schedule control in that aspect. But you know, if someone comes calling, you know. You know, you always you gotta you gotta weigh the pros and cons, so to speak. We know with everything right now. You know, I'm kind of content where I'm at right now, but you know, I won't I won't you know won't deny them. Like if they email me sometime, you know, I'll 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 uh, I'll, I'll jump at it, so to speak. You know, my wife will probably is probably going to start screaming at me in the other room from uh, saying that, but 
you know, that's uh, that's neither beside the point at the moment. But you know, you know, she knows it too. On top of that, so but you know, it's like you know, some people don't realize. I'm like, if you know, you get signed to NXT, I'm like, you know, you got to relocate down to Orlando, you know, or at least in the surrounding area. You know, you don't realize that. You know, they just started doing live events back again. You know, they don't work every weekend. I'm like, they're working right now on Tuesday night, but. You know they they have it they have their travel schedule with they you know around the Florida area uh, where they do their live events you know stuff like that they're they're on the road Friday Saturdays give or take and then you know they're but they're also into PC you know five days a week you know that's a lot of what a lot of people don't realize too on top of that they're, they got that's their that's their basically their their uh, nine to fiver so to speak you know in that aspect on there so. Now, Jim, with ECW, correct me if I'm wrong, was ECW your your main gig with refereeing and then obviously uh, working uh, backstage as well? Was that your main thing, or did you also uh, pull double shift with something during the day as well? Yeah, no, I, I had a 9 to 5, um, like you said, until the last year and a half of ECW when, when I worked promotions behind the scenes for them. But, yeah, I had other – you know, nine to five jobs. I, I worked for, I worked in a warehouse for, well, it was, when I started, it was RCA. And by the end of the time, it was Martin Marietta, um, or, or I'm sorry, Lockheed Martin, but, you know, um, and then I worked um, wholesale in a heating and air conditioning company. Um, and that, at that time with that company, ECW was starting to pick up and travel a lot more with the other company that I worked for nine to five, uh, ECW was more local, um, but with this company or at this time period, ECW was starting to travel a little bit more, and I was able to negotiate with them very, and they were very nice to do it for me. That if I could fit in forty hours um, by Thursday, I could have Fridays off to to travel or get to where I needed to. Um, and and then the weekends that ECW was local, I would work until I had to get to wherever we were on Friday. Um, and, and work, you know, I would work until I needed to leave to, to get to a show for Friday. And then I would come in and work Saturday morning <laughs> and then go to the arena that, that night. Um, but still, you know, they, they were nice enough to work with me. They were a great company, but yeah, I always had something else cause I needed the, um, health insurance, you know, had a family. The other thing I want to kind of ask you about is I found this to be really interesting as I was reading some some interviews from some different refs, and I want to get your opinions on this. We'll go to Nick first. Um, I often feel like if if two wrestlers are putting a match together and they they have a vision of something, but yet they're like, oh, I think I might have seen something like this done once before but we want to make it a little bit different. And I think that's where getting that third person's input could be, you know what, man, I ref this match. They did something like this. Um, I think this would fit perfectly into what you're doing. Obviously that person who has that experience, who has seen other things, that's where I feel like that conversation really could benefit. So you could do something, but you could also make sure you have somebody who says, Hey, was this ever done before? Or what do you think about if we do this, you know, have you ever had someone ask you that backstage? Like, Hey, this is, this is the plan of what we want to do, but we're kind of open. Yeah, there was actually, um, this is actually a couple of years ago. I'll, I'll use this in examples. Um, on there was actually kind of my, you know, my idea, but then they wanted to tweak it up a little bit. 
it was actually a match I did for um, standalone wrestling a couple years, maybe maybe like five years ago. On there it was actually between uh, Brittany Blake and uh, Tennille Dashwood. On there, it's actually when she was first released uh, from WWE. On there, it was actually somewhere I believe it was in uh, Cape May, New Jersey. So it was down by the sh- down by the shore area. Um, on there, like me and Brittany were kind of close. You know, you know we were. You know, she came up through the CCW Academy. You know, um, after I did and stuff like that. Um, he came up to me he was like, Hey, you know, we're, you know, you know, we're bumping you in the match tonight. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm not, no big deal. I'm like, so I kind of answered, I'm like, well, who's, you know, who's bumping me? I'm like, is it, you know, face or heel? She's like, she's like, oh, I'm going to bump you. I'm like, okay, now if you've seen Brittany and like Brittany's about, you know, okay, decide about maybe 110 pounds, you know, she's, you know, very, very petite, you know, very petite woman, you know, in that aspect. So I'm trying to think of different, you know, Tennille was going over in the match you know, did outside interference when I was down. So I'm trying to think of, you know, what what kind of way this, you know, Brittany could bump me. I kind of asked her, I'm like, hey, do you do anything off the top rope? She's like, well, I do a missile drop kick. I'm like, that's perfect. I'm like, somebody of her stature, her punching me wouldn't really, wouldn't be believable in that aspect of things. So I kind of just, you know, thought of like, okay, you come up with a drop kick, you know, just, you know, blast me with your missile drop kick, boom, I'm down. Whatever you and, you know, Tanil were doing, after the fact, I'm like, someone just revived me and we'll go from there. So, you know, that was, you know, kind of, you know, kind of nice. And, you know, especially too on top of it, I'm like, Tineo kind of, uh, you know, we've, you know, tweaked it up a little bit. And, you know, she was cool with it too on top of that, which is always nice, especially somebody from her stature, you know, just coming off of WWE TV. It was maybe her second match from being released, you know, the first time, you know, in that aspect of things. So, you know, it was pretty cool that, you know, yeah, they like allowed that. Jim, um, I mean, obviously, you've seen a lot of things. Has anybody ever said, hey, man, this is what we're trying to do? Um, what's your thoughts? Have you ever seen this done? You know, you, you've seen a lot of these matches. We really want to make this unique. Um, anybody bring you into the brainstorming process and any time you would say, uh, I don't know if that necessarily would be the best way to go about things. Yeah, a lot, and especially now in the indies. Um I guess, you know, quote unquote legendary (laughs) just because I'm old and been around and seen so much, I guess, really. But they ask a lot, uh, you know, do you think this looks right? Do you think it would work? But I also notice a lot when when I hear people going over their matches, since you do more than one match, um, you can say, oh, wait a minute, don't do that. They're, They're doing that in a match, two matches ahead of you. Or, or they're doing the same finish or, or, you know, well, this is the third time the ref's being bumped, you know, can you think of something else? Uh, so, you know, uh, I think that happens more, more than anything, uh, more than asking me, you know, what do you, what do you think about how we can tweak this match? So just uh, Nick and Jim, you both brought up bumps. How do refs feel about bumps? Like when, when they get involved in match do you like it? Dislike it? Is don't care one way or the other. You know, as long as it makes sense and whatever they're trying to get over is a story. You know, you know. I think you know. I think you know. Me and Jim are kind of to the degree that we can actually kind of like pick and choose what kind of bump. You know, we want to. You know, want to do. I'm like, I'm I don't more, do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> my bump card don't work for right me, now. brother. Yeah. <laughs> You know, in that aspect of things, I'm like, I'm more of a strike bumper, 
you know, that's what I always prefer. I'm like, I always, I always hate it when there's, you know, referees that will, you know, you know, have to take a move or something like that. Because I'm like, you know, through the illusion of things, I'm like, we're not supposed to, you know, you know, know how to do that, so to speak. I'm like, we're not, you know, we're just a, we're just a lowly referee. I'm like, oh, that referee knows how to bump. I'm like, you know, it's kind of suspending disbelief is what we're trying to do, you know, in that aspect of things, you know. So I'm like, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind bumps as long as it, you know, as long as it makes sense, you know. Please protect me at all costs. You know, God forbid. I'm like, you're not going to see me going through a pane of glass or a door or any of that stuff. Sorry, I've seen referees do that stuff, and I still cringe. I'm like, you know, like unless that's your full time job, hey, knock yourself out. You know, no pun intended. They probably do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. they, they have. <laughs> Jim, when was the first time in in your wrestling fanhood, let's say, because obviously you were a fan before you got into the industry. When was the first time you remember a referee being involved in, in literally anything, a bump, uh, a storyline? What was the first time you've heard about the ref actually being a, a part of the – an integral part of the whole match? I would think um, – I, I couldn't can't say exactly which time, but the referee who kind of sticks out in my mind because I grew up watching WWWF was um, – Oh, now I just just drew a complete blank. Um, Nick, help me. He, he trained okay. John. Okay. He, tra he trained John. Uh, Dick Worley, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dick. Yeah, I was going to say, I know it's Dick. I couldn't remember his name. But uh, Dick Worley, he made sure he enforced the rules. It, it kind of think of like when, when Tommy Young would do it with Ric Flair and, and you know, Ric Flair would get in his face and Tommy Young would, would you know, poke at him, you know, and, and – put him down and let him know that I'm in charge here. Um, Dick Worley did that. Um, and, and I think a lot of that had to do with, with Dick's background be, uh, before he was a, a referee, he was a merchant Marine. Um, so he kind of had a bit of a, a bit of a badass, badass uh, reputation, um, which, which kind of helped. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think Dick Worley was, was the first one who like, not that he was involved with the storyline, because back then a lot no referees were involved with the storylines. Uh, there was no referees became managers or, or became wrestlers or anything like that. They were referees, and that's that's what they did, and that was it. Um, but Dick Worley firmly in, enforcing the rules um, is what I remember. So, can referees become? almost too involved in a match like what's what's the line there i guess like you want them involved a little bit but you don't want them standing out too much from being a the center of attention type of thing like how does how does one oh nick smirking so he's got something <laughs> certain fighting my fighting, fighting my tongue on this one so oh no i don't <laughs> want you to do that i want something entertaining here give it to me nick. Like, what uh, Obviously, it's it's no, it is possible for somebody to be involved too much. But what is? How do you determine what's too much versus what isn't too much? If that makes sense, what I'm saying here. For for me, what 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 comes to mind is not being involved, but is being a distraction. Um, they they're herky jerky. They move around too much. Um. There, there's a certain referee that, that I worked with in the past that I can think of 
that kind of moved around like this and you know and then would find a corner to stand still in um and, and it just kind of bothered me and there were there were also times where he was like whoops <laughs> he made it made a big mistake it was like oh well didn't really give a rat's ass um whether it made the guys look bad or not um but yeah being too distractive in the match not not being too involved uh, that that's up to the wrestlers the wrestlers should be the ones controlling how involved the referee is in the match and it, it it's a different story if he's just doing the match as compared to um turning the referee into um whether it's a heel manager or a heel referee or, or a heel wrestler, if you think of somebody like Danny Davis, um, you know, when they, they had him get involved with the Hard Foundation, um, you know, you maybe didn't read it unless you're, you know, a super fan or, or in the business. You, you could read the, excuse me, the upcoming, you know, clues to, to what's going to happen down the road. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the only reason – the only involvement that a referee should really have other than, you know, what a referee is supposed to do. I guess what I remember, and maybe it is Dick Worley um, that I've watched on WWE network uh, television is that was he the big burly guy that looked like an old gym teacher, like really, really <laughs> barrel chested that would no, always get in your yeah. face. That, that's Dick Kroll. Dick Kroll, okay. Good God almighty, I wouldn't cross that dude at all. He looked pissed half the time. Dick Kroll was a, a big guy, and he, in fact, he used to come to ECW shows. Um, I, I think he may have actually been a spy for WWE at the time, um, but he came and, and would sit in the audience and, and you know, not even come in the back and say hello. And I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure ECW did, you. we used him for a match once, so that he could say he worked matches in, in so many decades. Um, just, you know, added another decade onto his, 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 uh, his history. Um, but yeah, you're thinking of Dick Kroll. He was, he was a bigger guy. Uh, Dick Worley was a smaller, smaller guy. Wouldn't take any crap from anybody. And, and if you look real carefully, um, I think toward the end of his career, he wore kind of bell bottoms with in, in, that weren't all black, like the, the the triangle in in the middle of the the pants that made it bell bottom uh, was a white big white triangle. Wow! <laughs> wow! He was he was the red shoes of the day. I was just about to bring up red shoes. Yes. Um, I'm going to try something right here. So give me a second. Let me see if I'm going to do this right. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to click on this. Uh, let's see here. Share screen. I hope to God I'm doing this correctly. Cause if I'm not, then this is going to be turning out really bad for me. Um, what do you, what do you guys see right now on your screen? See, but, uh, see YouTube. Uh, YouTube's on there. Whoa, whoa, easy, 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 you porn. That's after the show. All right, what I want to show you guys, since we all can hear, I don't know if you guys can even see me at this point, um, but I want to bring up this match, and I'm going to you know, mute the audio because I want us to take a look at this. This, to me, was really interesting. So this was a, a lead-up to, this was WrestleMania um, 8 with Brett and Sean, and I did not know this. 
Um, but they're going through their promos right here and they're going to be going out to the ring. So let's keep having our conversation as we watch this. But the guy who ends up being the ref in this, when we talk about um, just referee moments that stand out in time, the person who refereed this match, and I, I said the, the, the audio, the video quality is not that great. You see the guy right there? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I literally never had a concept of refereeing but this is i feel like in some ways this is kind of old school what they used to do in the 70s and 80s when they would bring the guys to the center of the ring is that something that's kind of lost at this point in time going over the rules um, i i know the nwa still does it with their title matches you know the nwa world title matches um and mostly it was always just you know always just title matches they kind of you know at least in my day you know, watch it. He's just be all just title matches they used to do this with. I try to do it with with certain things. I'm like some, you know, some of the you know boys and girls may not go for it or not realize what the hell I'm doing. You know, half the time with that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a lost art, so to speak. Well, now when it comes to all this, I mean, going over the rules and whatnot. He's he's showing the pulling of the hair, the eye gouging, the nose and mouth. You know, don't touch each other in the wrong places. Um, there's a lot of this that I feel like is a lost art. And I know you said before, you know, a company may, may do this, but some, some don't do this. I just feel like this is something that we don't have anymore. And I feel like in some big main event matches, they will do it, but a lot of times they, they just don't. And I think in some ways, this is where we've kind of lost it um, when it comes to, to some of the refereeing. Uh, maybe I sound like I'm just going down uh, the old school road, wishing there was more. Um, does that make sense to you, or does that sound kind of crazy? No, it makes complete sense. I I, I think it should be done more. Uh, I recently did it with um, the premier streaming show that I did with one of the title matches. Um, but what I try to do for title matches is, and it depends on the promotion, a lot of the promotions for the, the title matches will, will bring – wait until the guys are both in the ring and then introduce them. And while they're being introduced, I'm pro I'm holding the belt or, or unless the champion still has the belt, I'll take the belt and I'll show the belt to all four sides of the ring, hand the belt off, then check the guys. I still try to check the guys if I can, if it's a time sensitive thing, uh, I'll ask um, whoever's running um, the, the show um, do I have time to check? If they say no, that's fine. Um, if I have time to check, I'll make it look as professional as I can. I'll get them into, into their corners and then call for the bell. And, and that's as close as I usually get to, to what you're talking about. We see right here the referee is moving around a lot. Let me, let me get your both opinion on this. Uh, he, he's admonishing some of these guys. Is this something that he is choosing to do on his own or is he supposed to be involved this much? Is this too much right now? Or is this just him doing his thing? I, I think it's just him doing his thing. I'm like, that's what he's doing right there. I'm like, I don't have any kind of issue with whatsoever. He's kind of just moving around with, you know, how they are. Yeah. With, with the movement that he was making, a lot of that is positioning to see if the hold is illegal or if, if he's, you know, somebody's pulling the hair behind someone's back 
or, you know, just getting the position to see everything. Uh, I, yeah, I have no problem with the way he's, he's moving around. He's given a warning about pulling the hair. Um, you know, if those, cho- those chops were punches, I'd be warning, hey, keep that hand open. He's a little in the way there, but not bad. So we're, we're going to see here in a minute where he, obviously the ref plays a, an integral role into this match. And this is a great match. Uh, I've, I've watched this one probably hundreds of times here. Um, is this clearly something that the three guys have gone over? Or is this something like right here where he's, you know, calling him off, calling him off? Um, or is this just something that, you know, and he turns his back and he turns to the corner with something like that, that's obviously worked backstage into the whole process. Am I correct in that? Or is that something that they just said, Hey, I'm going to call this on the fly. Yeah, no, that was worked in. And I don't know why he turned his back. It didn't seem like there was any reason to. Yeah. The only, the only thing I could think of about what he was doing when he turned his back was he was going to, uh, almost like cl- trying to like call for the bell, so to speak, you know, that's the only thing I can you know logically think of, yeah. you know, other than that, I'm like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Jim. So this match itself was in the Hoosier Dome, which was in Indianapolis, Indiana. We're, by the way, we're watching WrestleMania 8 clip between Bret Hart and Roddy Piper, which I had a chance to go to this mania and I didn't, which now I feel stupid for not going to. Um, but when we look at this, you know, the referee, he's he's counting, you know, to 10. And I feel like he's a lot more. Now we're going to get a commercial here. Hold on a second. Now you're making me hungry with this stuff. I know. Uh, (laughs) All purpose flour to make some cookies. I know. Um, We we just saw Piper put his hands on the ref. Obviously not every nuance is talked about backstage is, is something like that. Do you just kind of go with it or is that in some way just kind of extemporaneous on the spot type of deal? You know, that's kind of on the spot, I would say. It wasn't done in any uh, mischievous or nasty way. It was just, he was like, hey, we're well, no, back up, back up. Let him, let, don't count. Let him get back in. You know, I, and I would, if, if I was the referee and Brett was on the, on the, went to the floor, uh, I would have backed Piper up and said, let me count and start counting. And then, have, then he would come and break me up and say, no, 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 let him get back in, which is what they did there. So we, we're looking at this and we're seeing that, you know, Piper's going to let Brett back in. But then we're going to notice something. Um, and this is probably the third or fourth time that the the ref has definitely been a part of, of this match here. And do you ever wonder that if there's a big feud between two people? I mean, just maybe I don't want to call it like a, like a blood war between them. But the ref can play an even better role in this because he can enhance or express how bad this these feelings are. I feel like he's a good conduit to the audience that man, these guys really do hate each other and this is this is elevated. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, 110%. You know, it's kind of something I, I try doing different things. I'm like, if you know, you know, guy or girl is gonna get, you know, get in my face, I'm like, you know, you know, give me shit, so to speak. I'm like, I'm gonna give it right, right back to him. You know, it can, it can rile the crowd up, and it usually does. <coughs> Excuse me. So when it comes to different punches and whatnot, obviously you're going to see that closed fists are normally uh, admonished severely. Um, what would you say when it comes to a referee? Do you pick and choose, or do you admonish 
you know, part of the role, every single aspect of it. No, I, I do every aspect of it. If, if, you know, the heel is throwing punches, you know, he gets admonished. And, and if the, the face starts making a comeback with punches, I admonish him too. It, it goes, you know, I call it both ways right down as, as Fonzie would say, right down the middle, daddy. A lot of times when there's a, a close count in, in there's obviously begrudging moans and whatnot from, from the wrestlers. And then you see an argument ensue. Um, I mean, obviously, we hear them if it's an on T. Uh, this three count just absolutely just I don't understand. I feel like the man's going to pull a muscle. You see, have you seen this man do a three count before? <laughs> I think this might be the only match he ever worked in the WWE for, isn't it? I think I've heard people say that. Yeah. Oh, I, anybody know who he is? I do know who he is. Okay. He does a local promotion here in uh, Cincinnati slash Northern Kentucky area. Um, and I definitely want to get a chance to interview him, but look, I mean, he looks like he's getting burning more calories than being on a Peloton. I, I, I just, and that's why I remember this match. And you guys say, you know, a good referee, obviously you're not going to notice the referee. They're going to be in the, in the background, but I mean, this man probably has to have at least three or four rotator cup surgeries because he smacks that mat so hard. You would think the mat owes him money. He he, show, he shows the intensity of the match itself. He stays in the background. He's he's not back and forth, back and forth, being a distraction. He tries to stay with them without moving around them. Um, doing the right thing, checking on Brett, probably telling him ten minutes gone by, fifteen minutes left, or whatever. Starts counting Piper. Out. He, no, he's he's right. He's I think he's right where he needs to be. That was kind of my next question. Uh, Nick, let me ask you something. So when guys have been going several minutes and obviously they're, they've they been going high intensity and a guy spills out to the outside of the ring and you're like, holy crap, I got to count to 10, but I know this guy's worn out. When you go over to address the other the other guy, I mean, what kind of conversation happens? you just give him an update on the time? Do you just say, what exactly is being relayed? Kind of like what Jim said. You know, if yeah, if you're working TV or anything like that, usually in that aspect of things, I'm like you're going to, you know, it's going to be most like most likely a time check or you know, hey, we're you know, anytime you see you know see action spill to the floor on like WWE for example, nine times out of ten they're going to just cut to a commercial. You know, that's what they call you know, that's what they call the break spot. You know, so to speak, um, in in that. Um, but you know, if if we're just we'll kind of just like go over different. You know, hey, where are we at in the match? I'm like sometimes you know. Guys and girls will cut stuff out if you know if you know anybody's kind of blown up, you know, so to speak. And my guy just had a match last night like that. You know, we're we added some stuff in there, and we kind of you know we 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 went a long time, so to speak, you know, on there. But it's just basically just time checks and you know stuff like that is kind of what's going over there. You know, making sure everybody's good. I'm like I might slow my count up a little bit on the count out if they're doing. Stuff like that, just so they can actually catch their breath, make it a little more dramatic, so to speak, in that aspect. I, my, I just pause it here for a second because I, I don't know this. I don't understand why. And Butster, if you want to jump in here at any point, please do so because my screen is uh, – I'm, I'm looking at the match itself. I, I don't know how to figure this out. So um, why is he counting when he gets on the top rope? Can anybody explain this to me? Well, a lot of the promotions, 
nothing was allowed off the top rope. It was a disqualification. So if, you know, you count them to get, you know, give them the opportunity to get down. And if they, they did a move off the top rope, they would be disqualified. That was, if you remember when WCW brought Bill Watson Correct. To, to be in charge. That was one of the things they did off the top rope. You're disqualified. Or um, I remember also over the top rope was over a the top rope. Another one. Yeah. I never so, knew off the top rope was a DQ. I've never heard that before. I knew over the top rope. Sure. Watch, not... watch, watch Bill. Anything Bill Watts did, anything off the top rope, you're DQ'd. That's why they would do things behind the, 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 the top rope stuff would be done behind the back. Um, watch, you know, the Midnight Express. But everyone knows Bobby Eaton doing the, the Alabama jam. Yeah. He was, he was doing it off the second rope. The Alabama Jam, in my in my opinion, was an awesome move, um, but God, that had to hurt your hip and your ass after so many times. Oh my God! Yeah, he, he had to sit on one of those um, butt donuts on, on the ride home. Yeah, you know, he must. He must have, yeah, I'm not. I'm not one bit surprised on that. Um, we're we're gonna see later on in this match where. Uh, I believe the ref is going to take a hellacious bump if memory serves me correct. By the way, I assume both of you guys have seen this match before, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to keep going here. Both guys are doing great. Let, let's also talk about this. Uh, <laughs> selling. Do you guys feel like in the ring nowadays a lot of talent? There's not a whole lot of selling that goes on, especially in AEW. Somebody does something devastating, and they literally just kip up, and then they hit somebody with an, another move. Here we go. Here's the bump. Oh, shit. Good Lord. Oh, my God. My, my question to you is this. If you're that guy, obviously, he at this stage in wrestling, and I want to say this was 92, is there an earpiece in his ear? Probably not. Probably not. No. Too. Yeah, I don't know. wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't know if that was uh, that was something uh, Mark Eaton, the timekeeper, was actually relaying stuff to them, maybe. Probably, yeah. And Mark Eaton was the guy who he would sit, he had the mustache, he looked like an accountant, real, real oh, slender. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's the way I remember him. Yeah, and that's it. Rene Goulet actually did not realize this, uh, was related to Robert Goulet. Oh, hell, I don't even know that part. Yeah. <laughs> So the ref's down. What the hell? Use the bell. I think we all have phrases from this match. Gold bricking is another one. But how do you know as a ref, how long do I stay down? I mean, it, you said before, is someone quietly, since he's off screen, walking up to him because there's so much going on right now, drama in the ring that no one's going to notice if someone walks up to him? How do you know when the hell to get back up or start to get back up? Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a tough one. I'm like, if you're not if you're not wired to the back or anything like that, usually what I'll do is I'll just have my hand over my face. You know, I can actually peek through to see where they're at. There, he's doing you know? that right now. Oh, he just made a miraculous yeah. comeback. Yeah. <laughs> and here That's he goes. Fine. Does a Perfect three count right there, fantastic move? Yes. <laughs> He tore his yeah, ACL I mean, and everything else in the process. <laughs> Good Lord Almighty. What a match. Jesus, Mike. The, the I know I'm, of- I'm, I'm harsh on this one, but this is a match that really stood out to me, and I wanted to cover this. And um, 
because I, I want to go over matches with you guys too, and I want us to do. You know, how they do on some podcasts. Oh, we push the ref. That ain't nice. Um, they 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 do watch alongs. I want to do ref critiques. I want to basically get your opinion on what happened here. Should this have necessarily happened? Um, was there a little bit oh, of shit? I'm getting canceled. Then yeah. is is there is there. <laughs> Is there, is there, there too much going on? Just because, God, I have so many questions. All right. So the ref's going to go ahead and he's going to bow out. He's got to make it to the emergency room. So I'm going to stop sharing at this point. Um, let's go back to our main screen here. Um, what would you say overall you would grade his involvement if this is American Idol referee? Scale one to five. Let's go to Jim first. Jim. Um, the bump itself, and then the unbelievable touch my hand, you will be healed. He 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 came too pretty quick. What, what was your take? Um, no, I, I didn't think he came too pretty quick. Uh, I thought he came too pretty well. I, I didn't like the positioning of the of the bump. Um, I would have, if I were the wrestlers, I maybe would have tried to do something a little closer. Um, so he doesn't have to like take five steps back to hit the turnbuckle, you know, do something where maybe he's you know a step and a half from the turnbuckle and, and he's hit a, a quick dosey do uh, would have would have worked there. Um, that would take him take him down, but not out, uh, which is which is, I think, what the goal was for for the ref bump, not to take him out, just to take him down, do something quick behind his back that they thought would get, you know, get over on him and come up one, two, three. And, you know, the, the Piper Piper goes over as, as the bad guy. Now as referees, do you guys also uh, get praise? You know, we've always heard when the guys come back to the curtain, you know, sometimes the, the locker room is watching or whatnot and people get praised. Do the refs ever get that? Like, God damn, that was good. I tell you what, man, hell of a job, hell of a job on that. You know, I I did once, you know. <laughs> well, we'll just use the one main one, you know. Just one time <laughs> at band camp. Yeah. All, all, I was, all I wanted was one. Yeah, I just want one. Sixteen years, I got one praise. Now it's like more of my one that you know uh, notable one was actually I did a uh, I did an Iron Man match with uh, Sammy Callahan and Drake Younger back in CGW back in the day on there. You know, it was the only match I did on the whole card, obviously, because I wasn't doing anything else because I was going 60 minutes with these guys on there. And uh, Gabe Spagolski was back there, and he actually gave me uh, critiques and praise actually back there for, you know. You know, the one thing is, you know, nowadays, I'm like, you know, you know sometimes I'm like, you might see refs get blown up, and it might affect, like, the way like, the product looks, you know, in that aspect. You know, the guys are slowing up. I'm like, you know, the guys are going fast-paced, but your referee is slow as shit. Well, you know that that's gonna it's gonna just bring it it's gonna bring it down a notch, you know, in that aspect of things. Is there some level of truth that back in the? I mean, obviously the the Dick Kroll conversation. Um, Dick was the, the bigger dude, right? The the, the mm -hmm. more yeah. barrel chested. Is it true that that earlier on they didn't mind the referees being big dudes, especially in the WWF? But then as we got into more of the late 80s, early 90s, they did look for smaller framed or tinier people. Is there any 
mythology or is there any you know reasoning for that like oh my gosh if this guy is is stout or big or whatever you know we we don't want him to i guess overshadow uh the talent and looking bigger than that is there some truth to any of that as far as like you know picking people as referees oh sure um dick kroll was the, the one that that was taller in in a wwf um Nick Patrick was was a taller uh, one for for WCW. Um, there's one that I'm thinking of for for Mid South, who was Jerry Lawler's cousin, and, and for some reason his name's out of my what, head. But honky? No, 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 no. But he you can't say that word no more, Mike. You're gonna get us canceled. But but he came into um, Mid South doing the king gimmick um as a wrestler and then and came left and came back as, as a referee um you have guys who were former wrestlers that were were referees that became referees uh, frank morella in, in memphis um bronco lubich in, in texas but a lot of that had to do with them probably having a part of ownership of, of the, the territory so that that's a way to keep them around doing something other than you know driving guys around or, or you know handing out the checks at the end of the night or whatever. I was looking here for my next for our next show. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get some of these uh, mid south. We'll uh, never get them. Oh, I thought you were reading notes. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> no, Jim. Jim has caught on quickly. I'm gonna have to. Uh, can I get well? I'm not super super astute with with Mid South, but I know Mid South was was really entertaining. A lot of guys got uh, their first breaks in Mid South as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you look at Bundy was big in there. Jake Roberts was big in there. Um, I'm trying to think who else was big into Mid South. Ted DiBiase was big in there as well. Jim the Junk- Angle, my heart. Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog made that promotion when he when he did the thing where the the Freebirds blinded him. Yes. And, and, you know, I mean, they sold out, I, I guess it was a sellout for, for what they had set up at, at the uh, the Superdome in New Orleans. Uh, and it's a shame there's no footage of it. But, yeah, the dog was huge with with Mid-South. People in Louisiana loved them. Butster, any questions you have any more for today's segment of referees being involved in matches and whatnot? Anything else that's uh, uh, crawling in your one, mind? If we, if we have time, um, just that match we had on with Roddy and Brett. So Brett got color. How do referees deal with that these days? Obviously, it would be different now than. But in that match, because you see a lot of times dress put on the, the doctor gloves and whatnot now. How, how's that all handled? You're you're the you're the expert with that nowadays. Oh, I'm the DNA guy, so to speak, really nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know, TV like I know in MLW when I did a couple uh, you know shows with them, I'm like we'd have the medical gloves in our pocket in case anybody got a busted up in hard way or any, any of that stuff. We didn't do anything intentional, you know, there other indie shows. I'm like, I'm kind of almost where I'm like, 
you know, like I'll try to see if you know if they're going to get color. You know, if the if it actually makes sense. But you know, it's the Indies, so you know, nine times out of ten, it probably doesn't make sense. But it, it, you know, <laughs> it's just that's just the way it is nowadays with the business and stuff like that. And like you know, death matches is a whole different beast in that aspect of things. I'm like, that's where I'm wearing. You know, you know, layer after layer after layer, so to speak, with that stuff. But it really depends on like if if they, you know, guys and girls want to get color. You know, some of them do, some of them don't. You know, that just depends on the type of match, you know, match type that we're really, really working with. For an extra fifty bucks, would you get yourself color? Oh God, no, no. For a hundred dollars, would you get yourself color? Uh, there's no money there at all. I'm like, I've already been, I've already been cut up, cut up enough on my own, just going down for counts and covers and stuff like that. <laughs> that that's the that's the rough part. You guys ever seen when Hannibal took the spike to the referee? I'm sure you guys have. Oh God, yeah, yes, that whole thing. Yeah, I, I knew you. You may not want to discuss this. Um, but let me ask you, and you're just giving me numbers, just giving me numbers. Um, is there more than one promotion you will definitely not accept bookings for? At least one. At least one? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Is there at least three that you would not accept bookings from? Yes. Yeah, I think so. At least is there right over, here. Is well, there over... Let me, let me, let me be specific with, let me, let me specify your question. Yes. It, it, because of blood? Because or... of um, just the fact that it does not align with the way you feel like you would or, be portrayed. Or just, because you know, or just because you know it's you know a, a super indie shit show. Correct. And, and and you may come out of there with less money in your pocket than you walked in with. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to know if you were, you were talking directly about blood. <laughs> yeah, well, so mean, it is more uh, than three. More than three. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, definitely, Very especially too. On top of that, like if if owners, you know, owners have been called out for you know specific things back in the day. I always avoid that stuff. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, promoters that have a very shady past. Yep. You know, you know, so to speak, like the oldie and rotten stuff back in IW Mid South. Oh, you know, oh, we didn't make that. We didn't make that much money tonight, brother. Nope. No, sorry. <laughs> you know. Hate using them as an example, but it's the god of his truth. So, and and they're not only that, but there are people who have done things um, in their past outside of wrestling. Yep. That I will, that I absolutely refuse to work for, even if there's a sniff of them being around the the promotion mm -hmm. or or the the convention. Um, that that I'm being invited to, absolutely not. I will not put a penny in this jerk off's pocket. I respect that. I respect that, Jim. Yeah, man, we got Jim hot right here. <laughs> oh, I know who I know who he's referring to. I know you do. Too, I, so, I, yeah. you, I've told you those. Oh yeah, I that story. Oh yeah. This, this is an after hours conversation. I totally yeah, want to have. This, this is a not in public because of of legalities. Well, yeah. at, the end, at the end of the day, referees have their own fraternity, and and they talk amongst each other. I'm sure that become friends. Oh yeah, they, we talk shit about each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so. Uh, <laughs> Rick stole my spot. 
<laughs> that's 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 my spot. He did it on that show. Damn it. I'll do I'll do his spot on this next show. <laughs> I'll do this on Wednesday at eight PM on TNT. For <laughs> <Screw> you. <laughs> or whatever oh, channel they're on. <laughs> In front I don't even of know. <laughs> And you can t- and you tell your buddy that I did his spot on this show. <laughs> wow! And go my Twitter DMs. <laughs> before before we we put a bow tie on this week's episode, uh, give us the rundown. What's going on? We'll start off with Nick. What's going on with you? Um, give me your social media handles, all that kind of stuff. What's happening in the lowdown with you? Yeah, uh, where the hell are we at in this calendar? Uh Jesus Christ, stuff blends in. Uh, we're actually, we uh, yeah, <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, you can get me at uh, Ref Nick Papa G on there. Uh, this Monday, December 18th, we're actually coming up to the season finale of Uncharted Territory at the um, H2O, uh, H2O Wrestling Center in uh, Williamstown, New Jersey. Um, on there, uh, on December 22nd, uh, Intergender Bonanza from uh, presented by Stan Styles. We're having our... Uh, how the CWO stole Christmas uh, show, so this is uh, is the title of it. This is actually a very, uh, um, com- you know, comedy uh, comedy uh, uh, storyline show that we're doing on there. Uh, December twenty third is our annual Christmas show with uh, H2O, which is also all these shows are live on IWTV, all starting at eight, you know eight p.m. on there. We just announced. Uh, the uh, on the twenty third, H two O champion Austin Luke will go against uh, one eight seven Homicide on there, which is announced that today actually. So you know, I should get a nice buzz. You know, on there, we're also having uh, a, a no rope barbed wire two hundred light tube death match on the show uh, as the main event, which uh, it's <laughs> it is actually a end of a uh, it was it's in the end of a uh, year and a half uh, feud on there, so it's. Very apropos that we actually have this type of match on there. Uh, it's actually a special guest uh, referees at uh, Low Left Louis Ramos. So uh, I will not be stepping in the ring this time this year, thank God, in that match because I did it last year. So that was enough <laughs> on there. So, but yeah, that's where you can get me for the rest of the year. Uh, I haven't really opened up to 2024 yet. So we'll, we'll get there when we get there with that one. So people are interested in getting a hold of you, obviously Facebook and Twitter are the best ways to get a hold of you. And if yeah. they want to book yeah. you for 2024, the sooner the better to at least get it on your oh. radar. Yes, please. Jim, let's go to you, buddy. What's uh, what's the rest of the and, – and I know you and I had talked before about you know maybe taking time off for the holidays and whatnot – are you already reaching out to the calendar of 2024, trying to figure out what are we going to start off the year with? Yeah, I, I've got a few things already booked for 2024, but um, just speaking for, if I can, for, for Nick also, um, don't forget WrestleMania is in the Philadelphia area this year, and we are both in the Philadelphia area. And for every indie that comes along and wants to you know, do a show, uh, we are available. I will raise my rate. I will double my rate too on top of that. Yes. Double. Brother. <laughs> I'm being nice. I got to talk to you about financing. I, I can't on DraftKings, so I, I, I take it there. <laughs> it'd, be, um, it'd be great if we had one of you guys in the ring and one of you guys is the enforcer on the outside and see you guys working. Yeah, that wouldn't be a hoot. Your tuxedo match. 
<laughs> is that socially acceptable nowadays? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but no, I, I, I do have one event left um, on uh, New Year's Eve, uh, SPO in um, Burlington City, New Jersey. The bell time is at 2.30, so you can get home in time for, for New Year's Eve and get home before all the, the morons are out on the road. Um, and then starting off in January uh, the 20th for ISPW, uh, I will be in Barnegat, New Jersey at Barnegat High School. And I hope to see some family and friends at that one because I've got some in the area. And uh, the 26th uh, for ISPW, I will be in Little Silver, New Jersey, which is up in, in North Jersey. And I don't know anyone there. <laughs> but, <laughs> they don't even know where they're at in that they city. <laughs> um, but but that that's starting off my year. But I've got a lot of things booked already uh, for the year. Uh, if you need me for conventions, I, I've done a, I did a lot of conventions this year. So fan conventions, comic cons, all that kind of stuff. Um, on Twitter at Jim Molino, all one word, um, and the same for for Facebook. And if you want to check out my referee shirts at um, my, my parody referee shirts, you can check them out at uh, tpublic.com uh, slash uh, extreme referee. Nice. Very cool. So, what's the chance you guys are going to be coming up to the Great Weight North? That'd be fantastic if you guys were up here somewhere. And pay my trains. Yeah, I have, to, I have to renew my passport first. You guys make us use passports now. Yeah. What guys make me use a passport too? Can't just show, just can't show my Jersey license. Drive across the bridge. And I'm in Canada. Maybe what if you had that? a license from somewhere other than Jersey, we'd let you in. Buster, <sighs> what is that promotion that's uh, that you really like? That um, very family friendly. As a local guy here, a Jan Murphy for Chinlock Wrestling. He puts a lot shows in the area. He's yeah, I've heard of it. He's pretty uh, pretty tight with Tommy Dreamer actually. Nice. So they have a show coming up. I think it's this week, Friday, maybe. Just on the road from my office. Maybe I'll be sick that afternoon. (laughs) Guys, it has been so much fun. Thank you so much for carving out time again. Once again, if you want to get a hold of Jim Molino, go ahead and reach him. Facebook and Twitter, obviously, reach out to Nick Papa G as well. You can get him on Twitter. Uh, if you want to book them for shows, keep in mind, go ahead and get them early because 2024 dates are already booking up and they will be in Philadelphia for WrestleMania. So once again, you're going to have an opportunity to get a hold of them. But remember, time is ticking and time is money. All right, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. We will catch up with you more stories from the roads of refereeing and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Awesome. All right. All right, take care, guys. Peace. Thanks, guys. All right. So, interesting episode this week with both refs. Very interesting. We even got to do a watch along, which I thought was kind of fun. A little impromptu, WrestleMania 8. Your thoughts on this week's segment? Hanging out with Jim and Nick is much better than hanging out with you. I look forward to it. Yeah, I said that. Yes, I said it. No, it's it's always good when the guys come on. No, as much as we joke around and I make fun of you about everything, they are just they're just awesome. Their yeah. knowledge is amazing. It is. 
know, they they know so much. Like, I wish we could get into it a little bit more, but it'd be a five hour episode, and I'm pretty sure they're not going to give up that much time. And but they're they just know so much, and they're both fantastic guys. They are on top of that. They're, they're just good dudes. Amen. I agree with that 100. percent um, let's go ahead and let's get back to our conversations we had earlier. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Andrade El Idolo. And many people have known that there's been some stars in AEW who might have wanted to get out of their contract. And Andrade was definitely, it appeared to be one of them when he had his issues with Sammy Guevara backstage as well. Let's not forget that AEW did have backstage things happen, obviously, before CM Punk, but... I don't think it was ever to the level of what had happened with uh, with Punk. But Eric Mutter from Wrestling Inc. is writing in at this hour, while Andre El Idolo, Andrade El Idolo currently finds himself atop the Blue League standings in the Continental Classic in AEW. He also finds himself maybe going back to where it all began. Last Friday, CMLL announced that Andrade would be returning to the promotion for the first time in eight years and he will be competing in trios action and will also be doing a one-on-one appearance as well. Now, Wrestling Observer Radio announced that Andrade and CMLL have worked out a five-date agreement to return to the company. Now, the move has been kind of a surprise as CMLL is not known for paying outsiders big money, but according to Andrade, it's not about the money at all. He wants to go back to doing what he did before his career is over or before CMLL is no more. Now, there's also speculation that if his contract does uh, expire soon, which it's believed to be coming up, um, that he may be making a return trip to WWE as well. So let me ask you the question here. It's uh, His contract is supposed to expire in 2024. Some people have said it's supposed to expire in maybe April. Uh, but there will be potentially some time added on to his contract due to him being away for injury. Do you feel like in any way, shape, or form that once his contract expires that he's gone, he's leaving AEW, or do you feel like he may stay? Or what do you think he's going to ultimately end up doing? He'll, he'll probably leave. Andrade's been around for quite a while. I'm sure he doesn't want to be doing too much of a schedule at this point anymore. Uh, so he'll probably go back to CMLL and have a little run there, do some indie shows here and there, fan conventions. I think he's getting to the point where he's not going to be doing a a, a full-time commitment, we'll say, to just one organization. I think he'll probably just you know, take his ball and go home. Well, there's some people who believe that, you know, he may, after he's done doing his appearances with AEW and then his his appearances with CMLL, go back to WWE. He's 34, and he feels like he's still got enough left in the tank. Do you feel like the stars who have been gone from WWE, they almost seem like they're more appreciated when they come back. Um, a punk obviously is a one-off because he's falls in a different category. He's always had this cult following around him, but do you think that Andrade, when he was in NXT and he really didn't get much of an opportunity on the main roster very much, do you think he would be a big pop to come back to a WWE or do you think it would be a return, but it really wouldn't make many waves. 
maybe a short-term pop just because he's got name value, but it wouldn't be a long-term. You couldn't run a story on it. It wouldn't be that big of a deal, I don't think. Nah, it, it might get you a month. There would be a big deal. You know, he left, went to AEW. They got him back from AEW. No, you go that route. But I don't think it'd be huge. It's not it wouldn't be like punk. Definitely. I mean, I, I don't think Andrade's got that big of a fan base, does he? I think Who's he this? has more of a big of a fan base in CMLL and in Mexico and when he's gone over to Puerto Rico and wrestled. In WWE, he was looked as a big time star in NXT. But you got to remember, that's been a while ago. I mean, you know, Adam Cole era, you know, when that was going on. So, and, and I feel like the interesting thing about WWE where they are right now is, and I, I'm not a fan of WWE, as you know, and a good friend of yours knows. I'm, I'm not a big fan. No, really? But, but what I will say is I think they're doing a lot of things right. And I feel like their developmental is legitimately you know, if they want to call it that WWE has this thing about calling NXT developmental and then calling it the third brand. And they like to go back and forth depending on how the ratings shift out each and every week. But I think they're bringing up some really good talent. I think there's a lot of good talent in NXT that is going to make a good conversion to the main roster. Keep in mind, there was a lot of times when Vince was in charge, the guys from NXT really didn't end up getting a good transition onto the main roster. Um, if you remember, they had Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gorgano and a couple other guys at that time who came up uh, when they were white hot uh, after the Gorgano uh, Ciampa feud. And it was nothing. Now, many, many, many moons later, they're finally getting back to being DIY. And now they're DIY on Raw. And now they're getting a little bit more of, of you know, some accolades. But unfortunately, it's happening later in the twilight of their careers. And both guys have been injured multiple times so we'll see what what ultimately happens um the thing with tomaso and, and gorgano again, gorgano there you go that's the name they didn't fit into vince's mold they did not the little know. guys damn good wrestlers put off amazing matches but they're not big right so that's kind of why when they came up to the main roster it just didn't pan out unfortunately well, I mean, okay, think about it from this perspective. You got uh, Buddy Murphy, who's now known as Buddy Matthews. I believe he had one of the first matches when WWE did their crown jewel um, over in Saudi Arabia. It had a friggin' banger of a match, and I don't know whether it was with Mansoor or whether it was Ali or who, but I really had a feeling that he was going to be a big deal. He had a great body, um, extremely agile in the ring, shooting star press. Um, all this kind of stuff, and it never really worked out for him. So I feel like it's hard to say, yes, in some ways Vince did not like little guys, but then there were also some big guys as well that Vince never really, uh, I feel like, gave a fair shot to. So then again, Vince's booking was very bipolar as well. Um, speaking of things that would be airing, um, uh, Andrew Ravens is writing in today that uh, Vice TV is going to have a documentary. And, if you know, Vice TV is known for having their big TV series, The Dark Side of the Ring. Well, a new Vice series named Nine Lives Of 
uh, will document the journey of Hulk Hogan's rise to the top and his eventual downfall. The premiere is supposed to be Wednesday, January 10th, and that's 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, and that is on Vice. The series will look at the lives of WWE Celebrity Hall of Famers, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the late uh, Pee Wee Herman, which is Paul Rubens, comedian Dave Chappelle, Howard Stern, Tiger Woods, the South Park series, and including Hulk Hogan. Um, it's going to be interesting. The, the dark side of the ring actually then spawned off, I think, the dark side of music and the dark side of this and the dark side of that. Um, are you still a fan of the dark side of the ring? Have you gotten to see any of that, whether it's on YouTube or when it aired on TV? Absolutely. I watch it. Uh, we have it on Crave TV up here. I think they they do a great job. Because it's stories, oh, for me anyhow, I didn't know. And it's always, I'm a big fan of, of the behind, not necessarily the behind the scenes stuff so much, but the unknown, the not mainstream. I like to know the, more to the story. So to me, Dark Side of the Rings excellent i enjoyed it i watched what? it this year as well so many things are great if you have the access to vice tv and and you can go into i don't know if it's archives or where you can go into but you can see on demand that's what it's called and watch episodes of the dark side of the ring i personally really like it um some people have said that all it does is really tarnish wrestling and it slanders wrestling and it shows a lot of stuff that may or may not be factually correct um but at the end of the day, it's a show. It's interesting. I also feel like Hulk Hogan gets a lot of a lot of bad rep from a lot of things. And I'm very curious to see how this is going to portray, uh, how they're going to portray the, the Hulkster. So interesting. Again, January the 10th, it's going to be at 10 p.m. on Vice. Do we able to catch it? Uh, the premiere of Nine Lives Of and the first episode is going to be Hulk Hogan. All right, moving on. The guy who we haven't seen on TV since All Out, or All In, I should say, uh, Jack Perry. Uh, ever since he had his match, his hardcore match uh, with Hook, which he obviously lost, um, there was an incident where, leading up to his feud with Hook, he wanted to use glass uh, to build up to their promo, to build up to their match in a promo. Well, CM Punk had seen him backstage and said, "Hey, you know what? You probably should lay off the glass." And word got out through dirt sheet writers, and he ended up uh, using a car windshield to go ahead and put his opponent through it. He looked at the camera and said, hey, look, real glass, cry me a river. That then ended up leading to a verbal dispute, we'll call it, and uh, a backstage altercation, as we will call it. We were not there. We do not know, um, which eventually had to be a pull apart. Perry's been off uh, AWTV ever since. Uh, he was suspended, and Punk subsequently was fired. But now Jack Perry, as of December the 11th, is starting to file Buku trademarks. He filed the uh, trademark for Jungle Boy. He filed the trademark for Jurassic Express. He filed a trademark for A Boy and His Dinosaur, um, obviously referring to his tag team partner, Luchasaurus. Um. Perry has been off camera, obviously, like I said before, since the all-in skirmish and all filing trademarks were confirmed by Fightful. Let me ask you this question. When Jack Perry does come back, do you think 
that there's going to be a fanfare for him? Do you think it's going to be a big pop for him? Do you think fans are going to be excited to see him? Or do you think it's Jack Perry? I mean, he was supposed to be a pillar of the company. Remember that, Butster? It was him, Vara, MJF. Darby. Out here. And there's supposed to be another one. Darby. Darby Allen. They were supposed to be the four pillars, um, and they got that concept from New Japan, where New Japan had their pillars as well for New Japan Pro Wrestling. But do you think he really is? Do you think those guys are still the pillars? If we go down the list, is Jack Perry a pillar of the company? No. Is Sammy Guevara? Um, Probably not. Okay. Darby Allen. Yes. And what was the last guy I said? MJF. MJF. Come on. Yes. Yeah, he's definitely a pillar. Um, so it'll be interesting what we see from, from Jack Perry. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting whether or not he comes back. Some people have said that he may be the, the guy under the devil mask. Let me ask you this. You've seen Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Are we getting any closer to maybe figuring out who this person is or any speculation? What's your what's your gut tell you? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, I've had a couple theories, and then they went the way to Dodo Bird quickly. So I, I'm at a loss. What do you think? Jim Ross. Next question, please. Let's move on. <laughs> No, um, I got a couple ideas. I, I originally thought that it could be Kyle O'Reilly um, because he, you know, would be coming back. He's involved with Adam Cole. Um, and then I thought, you know, Roderick Strong, could it be the kingdom involved? Um, it would be a way to work in Jack Perry back in, but I don't think that would go over with the audience very well. Some people thought that it could be two devils and it could be... Um, Britt Baker and Adam Cole as uh, two different ones. What was the one? The one was potentially Sammy Callahan, who did not re-up with Impact Wrestling, which is now TNA. Could it be somebody from the outside we haven't seen before? Could it be um, Nick Nemeth, who portrayed the character of Dolph Ziggler in WWE? Could it be? Um, I personally think right now the beauty of someone being behind the mask is that your options are still available. All you have to do is have a, a filler to wear the mask in the black outfit, right? You literally could take a, a production assistant and put him in the mask. And you could say, we'll figure out who it's going to be down the road. Cause it really doesn't matter right now. Let's see how well the storyline goes. And then depending on who we think it could work out to be. Um, do you have any other thoughts on who it could be? Do you think it could be a Wardlow? Um, Wardlow's one I've heard. I've heard that one. Um, that's probably the most popular one I've heard would be Wardlow. Right? Uh, Sam McCallahan, that intrigues me. I like that. I could tell, O'Reilly, nope. That's no chance. That's, do you think it's Adam? Do you think the chances of it being Adam Cole are at least 50 50, if not higher? I could go 50 50, no more. I don't think so. They were also saying that the um, the Devil's Minions I've read were um, the Kingdom. Nope. Uh, FTR. 
And Dick, oh, not the acclaim. Who who was the faction MJF was with? The faction? Oh yeah. gosh, you're going wave the pinnacle. The pinnacle, yes. Because somebody said one of the people. I didn't see it. It was on. I seen it on Twitter. I believe. They figured it was Sean Spears due to the way the mask was on. It looked like he had a mohawk. Like, oh, you're kind of stretching that one. I mean, I'd love to see Sean Spears back. I can't see it being the pinnacle, though. But that um, would, you know, if it is, though, you think so you've got Wardlow's involved, FTR, and um, Sean Spears. You know, that'd be a lot of fun. I'd I can't see how you would do that. You're not going to waste FTRs to mask guys. No, and I think right now, I think their situation is with the House of Black, and I don't think they're going to change that right now. Um, I do have somebody who I think this could spark some interest in AEW, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but this could definitely be used if it was Tony Khan. And Tony Khan starts to go off on MJF. And Tony Khan starts talking about, you know, you ran me down. You kept holding me up for money. And you kept saying this and that. And 2024, well, I don't want you. And blah, 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 blah. There could be an aspect of where Tony Khan becomes uh, this guy, you know, um, who's sick and tired of all the crap that's happened to him and the way he's been talked down to. And he could talk about the way I'm talked to backstage. I'm the real boss back here and you'll start respecting me or X, Y, Z. I just feel like that could potentially be something that would be interesting in my opinion. I hope not. Maybe it's Jerry. No, the, the guy's too tall. It's true. Jerry's only what? Four eleven, four ten. So I don't think it would work out that well. Oh, Mike. And now that Jerry's got a haircut and he's got short hair, it's even less than that. That's true. Unbelievable. All right, let's move on here. Um, uh, let's see. We talked about so many things so far. We talked about Bischoff. We talked about Shawn Michaels. Um, let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about a guy who's spent time in both WWE and AEW, and that's good old JR. AEW's Jim Ross is currently taking time away from the promotion per his doctor's advice to let a leg wound heal. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer revealed in his latest episode of Grilling JR podcast that he had to have a uh, a touch of he hasn't had a touch of alcohol in over three months. And Ross explained his deciding to start cutting drinking out of his diet. He said, my goal is to get healthy and drinking was not working well with my medication, my diabetes medication. And I'll be starting a new one. Of course, Ross said it was a conflict. It's a conflict of interest, so to speak, because I want to get healthier and make my meds work better. I was diluting the strength by all my drinking. So I decided to hang it up. I haven't had any withdrawals. I haven't had any sleepless nights. And I also haven't cheated either. Now, Ross, who's experienced several medical issues over the years, added that he recently resisted the urge to have a shot of Crown Royal whiskey. Uh, the 71-year-old says that he knows down the road that he may have a gulp or a shot. 
if plans do change. Ross also mentioned that he has lost some weight and feels much healthier since he quit alcohol. He's also hoping to return to AEW sooner than later, but he's still not unsure when he'll come back. It all depends on what the doctors say about his stage of recovery. Ross needs to be cleared before returning to work to Tony Khan's promotion. So it looks like he's got some issues with diabetes and it looks like he's trying to get off of the alcohol as well. Um, good for him. You know, a lot of times people will say, Hey, I'm the way I am. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Look at Ric Flair. I mean, the man still drinks. He had a 3% chance of surviving. You remember that when he's in the hospital and it was all over the news, like it doesn't look like he's going to make it. They're calling the family to the hospital and he still drinks and he still drinks. And, and I just, I guess I shake my head and I say, you're given a second lease on life. Why are you trying to screw it up like this? Realize I'm drinking a beer as we do this show, right? No, I understand. Okay. But I mean, you weren't on the brink of death. Not he yet. Was on the, he was on the brink of death. And uh, he just, how much of his, I guess his lower GI or his bowels had to be cut out because it was so bad. Yeah, but there's wow. stories of flair just, just getting at it. Like, you know. Yes. I'm not opposed to having some adult beverages, but there's some of the stories you hear. Now you have to take some with a grain of salt, obviously, but he used to, he used to chase it. He was he, he was did. after the booze. There's a new trailer out for Dune Part Two. It is going to be Dave Bautista's next movie. A new trailer for his thriller film Dune Part Two was released this past week on Tuesday. The movie stars Javier Bardem. Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, uh, Zendina, uh, Dave Bautista, Stellan Stargard, Jason Momoa, if you remember him, he plays uh, Aquaman, uh, Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Christopher Walken, and Leah Sandu. Now, Bautista plays, oh God, I can't even pronounce this, Glossu Rabin, a British nephew of someone in the movie, um, it will be released on March 1st, 2024. I know I didn't give you much of a rundown. Let me see if I can find a little bit better of an example. Have you seen Dune Part 1, Butster? Nope. Never seen it. Never seen it. Will you watch Dave Bautista movies? Yeah, he's, I think he's a pretty good actor. I think Dave Bautista has had a tremendous acting career um, when it comes to um, leaving wrestling and doing this. Oh. What was the Marvel one? Legends of the Galaxy, I think, or something like that? Guardians of the Galaxy. Sorry, Guardian. Those were pretty good. I liked them. Why you look away like that, Mike? And say anything. The Tokyo Superdome. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, the Super Arena. Super Arena. My bad. My mistake. All right. So the Here premise of Dune, of Dune Part 2 is an upcoming... 2024 American epic science uh, science science whoa science fiction film uh, that's been directed by Dennis Villano, who co-wrote the screenplay with John Septhith. Uh, the sequel, Dune, from originally 2021, is the second part of a two-part adaptation from the 1965 novel Dune, which is written by Frank Herbert and follows Paul as he unites with firm. He reunites with the Furman people on a deserted planet to win a war. So there you go. So if you want to look into a science fiction film that involves a war on another planet, definitely take a look at Dune Part 2. 
I don't see that. It's got, a pretty, it's got a pretty good lineup of actors in it. Um, speaking of movies, it is sci-fi, correct? Speaking of movies, have you heard um, that? Evidently, they've cut out a lot of the speaking lines, or actually not the speaking lines, but a lot of the part that MJF is playing in the upcoming uh, movie about the Von Eriks. Yeah, this role of Lance, yes. Yeah, so evidently he didn't really have much to begin with, but they've cut him out even more in the final edit. So, and it's uh, it's the movie The Iron Claw, so I wonder how soon that'll actually be released to everyone. But it is The Iron Claw. I can't be surprised, though, that they would cut out the Lance Von Erich part. Because, well, it was Lance Von Erich. Yeah, but still, I mean, why would you book somebody if, if you're going to use them and then all of a sudden in the final edit basically cut most of their stuff out? But that happens with movies all the time. Yeah, it does. But I mean, it just I guess it sucks more for, for me because I really, really like wrestlers being in movies. And yeah. I don't know. I'll go watch it, though. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. No, you're not. Go no, I am going to watch it. Hey, 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 listen to your schmo. Who's paying for your ticket? That's uh, That's beside the point. I'll find a way to watch it. Bootlegging okay. is not the same. That is no. We I don't bootlegs. Don't you're starting to give me a bad rap. I don't do that kind of stuff. No, no, you're you're not a bootlegger. You're cheap, but you're not a bootlegger. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you. Have you ever seen? So you have the network, right? Or you have what? What? Whatever you have. WWE Peacock? Network. Yes. yes. So. I want to say there should be a documentary about. Oh, I don't want to say, and I'm I'm saying this wrong. It's not the rise and fall of, um, the promotion in Dallas, Texas, but it's with the Von Ericks. It, it, there's a documentary about the Von Ericks, and it's really really good. Um, if you get a chance, I highly recommend checking that out. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. Is it the death of WCCW or whatever it was called? It's WCCW, but I don't know what the what the title is. It the death of it? I think so. They had a WCCW, or maybe it was a Von Eric episode on Dark Side of the Ring, which was fantastic. Yeah, it's quite the story. I'm looking this up really quick as we speak here. Um... Here it is. Uh, here it is. And actually, you can see it, I guess, on YouTube. It is the triumph and tragedy of world-class championship wrestling. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend you go on the network or you go on Peacock, sit down, pour yourself a glass of milk, and watch it because it is a damn good documentary. Really, really well done. It WWE did not produce it. Um, another outfit produced it, but it is so good. I think you'll enjoy it. Look it up. Yeah. We've hit the two hour mark, my friend. Anything else you would like to share? Anything else you'd like to get off your chests? No, I don't really have a grinds my gears this week. Because I thought you did. I did, but I've gotten over that one. So you're not going to share it? No. Because you texted me and you were... You were emphatic when when the butster texts you and puts like eight exclamation points behind his statement and says, 
next week. I feel like he's cutting a promo in the text. Next week, brother, I'm okay. telling you, I got to grind my gears. And now you're telling me you somehow, oh, I've gotten over it. I'm All right. Okay. Well, okay, we'll do it. I'm not as fired up now. I was very fired up that day. Right, so me... the, the bank company that I have my mortgage with. The bank company, okay. For some reason, apparently I have a line of credit with them too. Didn't know okay. I had. Okay. They sent me a bill mm-hmm. for one dollar and ten cents on a line of credit that I've never used. So I contacted them. Hey, what do you want a dollar and ten cents? Okay. On a $90,000 line of credit. Mm-hmm. What's this $1.10 for? Oh, well, it's a cent every month. So I haven't had my mortgage with you guys for this many months. Oh, you're past due. As you charge me a penny every month for a line of credit that I didn't ask for, didn't even know I had, to be honest with you. And then you charge me late fees on top of a penny every month. And maybe I should do a better job of checking my mail. I'll admit that. And then the lady had the nerve, which just about set me over the edge. You do understand, sir, you are delinquent with your payments. And that's about when the butt just about had a stroke. And I said very bad words. I explained to her, listen, lady, you know what my mortgage is with you guys every two weeks? Listen, you're worried about a fucking dollar and ten cents? I'll make you a deal. I'm off a couple days next week. I'll come in. I'll pay you. No problem. I'll give you your dollar and fucking ten cents. Right? But after I'm done that, I'm going to take my mortgage to a different bank. Oh. And you can go fuck yourself. Oh. Well, but that's not what we want, sir. I said, well, you're going to make me go out of my way to pay you a dollar and ten cents. I said, and what do I have to pay this one cent a month for on this line of credit? Anyhow, that I don't even use. I didn't even know I had. Oh, we charge you a cent every month just to keep it active. Stop fucking doing that. I don't want it to be active. I'll give you your dollar and ten cents and you can close it. Oh, we're not sure if you can do that, sir. Cool. So the place that I have my car payments set up through and everything else... I'm sure they can take care of it for me. Uh, I'll have a manager call you, sir. <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. You should do that. And then the manager called me and said, yeah, we'll take care of that dollar and ten cents. I said, it's not about a dollar and ten cents. It's a principle. The dollar and ten cents. This is the fact that the lady said I was delinquent in my payments. That's what pisses me off about this. And why do I have a line of credit for that much money? That I didn't know about. We'll take care of that as well, sir. Thank you very much. You have a good day. So, yeah, I was a little fired up that day when I messaged you. I was, I was, I was hot. You seemed like you were pretty pissed off. Well, it's, it's just like, man, I, I give you guys a lot of money every second Monday, and then you send me a bill for a fucking dollar and ten cents. Didn't tell me I'm delinquent because you know, I don't pay this one penny every month on a line of credit that I didn't even know I had. So I had to give you a penny every month for nothing. Mike, it's a fucking penny. 
What does it cost for you to send me a bill for a penny? A lot more, just the postage. 92 cents for a stamp here in Canada. Wow. Right? So the, just give me a break. Like I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty hot. That, I, I got calm after I, I spoke that to that gentleman, the manager. He got me all sorted out, but I still contemplated going in to give them a dollar and ten cents just to be a dickhead. But do you write a check? Uh, that's fuck, that's fantastic. No, put it on my credit card. Because my credit card's with a different bank. Just put it right on my visa. Here you go. So you guys gotta pay extra for that. And I'm just gonna transfer the funds right now. And oh yeah, this is an, this is an RBC Royal Bank of Canada visa, because fuck CIBC. You guys get enough of my money. Yeah. IBC. CIBC. Whatever. Same difference. So, but that's about it. I was like, things are good. That's good. Got so you've gotten over this. I have. I, I, I got over it. After I spazzed out, had my little, my little session, he made it right. We were good. Life's good. I like it. With that being said, it has been so much fun. I've enjoyed this, Butster. Our time together is always important. Butster, uh, I know you just finished your last uh, big show of the year, and you are going to be going on a nice little break. Um, it shouldn't be longer than four or five weeks, but I guess you know better. You're going to get back to it. If people would like to get a hold of you about woodworking, if people would like to try to commission something or get some ideas, tips, trips, tricks and trades, whatever it may be from an experienced woodworker. How can they get a hold of you? I'm on Facebook, CB79 Wooden Toymaker. Or I'm on Twitter uh, at Gotnoof2291. Send me a message. Uh, yeah, the shop is going to be closed for about four weeks or so. I have a, a small job to finish right now. I have some toy cameras to finish up. To, we're donating to Linda's school. Uh, one for every child in kindergarten, uh, Christmas gift or sorry, holiday gifts. And after that, the shop is closed for four weeks. We're gonna do a little bit of work in it, set up some new tools, and just not make anything. Just yeah, a little bit, a little bit of me time. Maybe yes. I've been plunking my new recliner and watch TV. There I've you had go. the damn thing six months. I think I've sat in it ten times. So no, that's not okay. You gotta you gotta sit that ass in there. Right in. Just just relax. A little a little bit of me time, a little mental health break. You know, because it gets to you after a bit when you're when you're under the gun getting ready for events and markets and shows. It weighs on you a little bit. I mean, it is my part-time gig. I have a full-time job on top of it, and so we're just gonna have a little break. I'll probably still work at some stuff, but it's whatever I want to. When did you quit stripping? We weren't supposed to talk about that. And just because you got a really nice hoodie on there right there, my friend. And uh, You're damn right I do. It's a sweet hoodie. That's right, buddy. CB79 Wooden Toy Makers rocking his own merch. Limited if edition. If you, you know what you could do? If you got enough of those made up, you could sell those at shows. You think so? I no, I'm not bullshitting you. I think you could. Are you hustling me for a t-shirt, Mike? No. I've I mean I've never had someone <laughs> get me a free swag hoodie. Oh no, never, I'm sure. No. 
No, I'm serious. You should sell those. You should. Sell, I mean, the more we'll shows you do, the more you know you're getting really well known. People would love to rep the swag. Why wouldn't they want to we'll rep it? Maybe that's yeah. I don't know. I guess I see as well. We're just a little pissant toy making outfit. We're just you know we're not big deals or nothing like that. I I would I would beg to differ. You you guys are are, are definitely. I mean. You've been in a in a in a store. I mean, that's a big deal to get your, your three product. of them. Just for three stores. Gee, look at me. Is that it? Hold on a second. Not that, that I'm a, counting, but three. You're a big deal. You're a big deal. You're the woodman. You need to have a nickname. You need to have a nickname that is suitable for someone who works with wood. Yeah. So we're gonna come up with a new nickname for you. Not just the butster. We're gonna so come we up did, with something. We did just over made just over three thousand toys this year. 3,000 toys. Wow. That's fantastic. You're so, a good man. Not bad for a little wood shop at home. Hey? There, there you go. Well, send my love to the missus and um, enjoy the rest of your evening. I know you're taking a couple of days off as well just to kind of relax and enjoy yourself. Please do that. Enjoy yourself. And to everyone who can hear our voices, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We do appreciate it. Getting great downloads again this month. We appreciate your support. And if you know anybody who would enjoy a podcast like this, two guys talking wrestling, life, and uh, and whatnot, go ahead and share it on your form of social media. We'd appreciate it. With that being said, I am Mike Freeland. He's Christopher, but we'll see you next time on the Front Row Material Brand.